Welcome back, it's time for Customers Who Click. Today's guest is Drew Hemmel, the founder and CEO of PCR, a DTC agency focused heavily on the use of email and SMS to grow their clients' businesses. Today, we're going to be exploring SMS quite a bit and the impact that it's starting to have in the DTC space, as despite it being quite an old channel, it's only recently come to the forefront of attention for a lot of marketers. We're also going to delve into marketing automation, but particularly how you should be constantly optimizing it to improve performance and crucially not see that performance drop that we normally see occur over time. Let's get Drew on now to explain how SMS and marketing automation flows can be of use to your business as well. Hi, Drew. Thanks for joining me today. Um, can you really quickly introduce yourself, a um, bit of your background and kind of how you've got to where you are today? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I founded PCR 14 years ago. Um, you know, at the time, taught myself web design, read SEO for dummies and was kind of off to the races. And uh, yeah, I think over time, we had a couple inflection points where we really had to decide, do we become a jack of all trades or do we hone in on, you know, more of a specialization. And I think with, with digital, we, we decided to go the specialization route just as rapidly as things were changing. And, and our entry, I'd, I'd say, into kind of like the owned audience, like conversion rate optimization, inbound marketing, and, and things of that nature was with HubSpot about a decade ago. Um, and that allowed us, I think, to control a little bit more in this like chaotic word, world of digital, um, you know. Google was coming out with algorithm updates for SEO, Facebook, you know, kind of making changes. And so we really focused on the own audience, um, you know, and that started with uh, our client's website uh, all the way through to email marketing and, and SMS. And then about two years ago, uh, there's no better place, I think, to do that uh, than e-commerce because um, you can control every you know transaction and really understand the user journey. And so we became, uh, yeah, Clavio Platinum Partners and, and working with a really um, uh, robust, you know, kind of set of clients um, and food and beverage to fashion apparel, but high growth, uh, you know, D2C brands looking to uh, drive, you know, higher conversion, higher lifetime value uh, and, and, and things of that nature, you know, kind of through uh, their own, you know, marketing channels. So uh, it's, it's, it's been fun and, you know, continues to, to change still, <laughs> you know, almost on a daily basis, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I've always been in kind of this sort of space as well. So email marketing, website optimization, never really touched on SEO and things because uh, partly because it wasn't interesting to me, but also I think maybe my first experiences of, of it were like, you know, we need to do all this work and then, oh, wow, Google's just changed the rules completely. <laughs> we've got to scrap all this and now we've got to do this. Yeah. And, you know, potentially... The company I was at at the time wasn't doing things in the best way, <laughs> and so you know the the Google updates were were quite punishing um, yeah. for them. But uh, yeah, I just decided I, I I preferred this this optimization side. So, um, what are you what are you kind of finding is the biggest contribu contributor to growth for your clients at the moment? SMS has been a huge channel. I know we're going to touch on that a lot uh, in this episode. Um, I think just base level optimization of flows, uh, you know, that that is making money while you while you sleep. And I think if you can effectively get them into the funnel and and, and optimize that experience, then uh, it can be an incredible revenue driver. Uh, you know, along with you know the the email as a whole. And then uh, we're we're just seeing for for whatever reason a lot of clients 
not necessarily, they focus so much on, you know, their ads and the creative and the different channels or what influencer they're going to partner with. But often uh, the, the website itself is pretty neglected. And so, you know, boosting conversion rate, uh, even by half a percent uh, can result in, you know, millions of dollars in additional revenue. And so that, that's been, you know, the, the three primary drivers that we're seeing as uh, a lot of, you know, kind of growth for, for, for our clients. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch on those uh, in a bit more detail. Um, just on the, uh, well, actually, let's go into them now. <laughs> Why don't we just start? Let's just start with SMS. Um, particularly as SMS, is, it's definitely become a much bigger thing recently. I, I literally feel like in the last three, four months, the amount of noise about SMS has has grown drastically. So um, yeah, like how, how are you using SMS for your clients? What would you say is is kind of a key, a key learning or a key kind of strategy with them. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think one, if you take a step back on why, it's a confluence of a lot of different factors. I think people getting more and more nervous with the, the email updates, both on Apple um, and, and you know, I, I think is really having everyone look at, okay, what are other channels that we can leverage to, to be able to communicate effectively with our clients? And then two, I think it's the, just the consumer's comfort level um, and and the ability. It, I, I think it was almost a Trojan horse for some brands where if you wanted to know when your ship shipment was going to be there, you know, delivery was going to be made or uh, that they processed your order, uh, to be able to get that in a quick text um, was really valuable. And so they became uh, more and more comfortable with it. And then, you know, I think the, 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 the other component is just uh, you, you look at, how many different um, companies are now offering that uh, SMS as a, as a primary, you know, kind of feature, you know, you look at Clavio, you look at Attentive, you look at Postscript, uh, there's a lot of people in the space. So the cost has gone down pretty significantly, you know, for brands as well. And so, you know, I, I think um, that's why it's starting to be, you know, becoming a lot more, yeah, like you said, you know, buzzworthy and, and, and a lot of uh, people talking about it. And then to, to answer your question, uh, we're seeing it really be effective uh, as, a, as a split test on what you would normally send as an email. Why don't we run you know, some experiments and do that with SMS instead and be able to run those experiments in real time? And, and what we're seeing is as high as like 20 to 30% lift in, in revenue just by onboarding you know, SMS as a channel in addition to you know, their email marketing efforts. And so anything I think that you send out uh, via email right now, I think you can look at, could this be uh, a text message? And if it is, what would that look like? Um, not treating it apples to apples necessarily, but it's, it's, it's pretty close. And so we do that with welcome series. We do that with shopping cart abandonment. We do that with campaign sends. Um, and, and then we just run the experiment side by side to see like how effective is it. And, and uh, what we're seeing is it, it can be incredibly effective, you know, as, as a, you know, a, an overall channel, um, uh, you know, for brands to be able to drive that growth. And it, the cool thing about it is it doesn't um, require a huge, huge lift to figure it out. You want to obviously nail consent first and foremost. Um, and then you can, you know, run the experiments. If you have a tool like, you know, kind of Clavio, which has done a lot to roll out um, SMS as a, as a product feature, uh, you could just do a split test. Hey, let's send this one email to 50% of the people. And then the other 50% are going to get an SMS. What is the overall impact on, you know, kind of revenue and, 
and engagement and, and, and things like that too. So uh, I, I don't think you have to have like a wholesale, just, you know, bite off small, you know, uh, pieces of it. And, and then, you know, let the data tell you, you know, for your brand, you know, how effective it is, uh, you know, actually as a, as a channel. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I think it's important to kind of drip feed it in if you've, especially if you've never used it. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be quite daunting to to have this new, new communications channel and view it as just a new channel separately. Yeah. And then you're yeah. thinking, well, now, now we've got to build out all our flows with SMS and then it's, well, how does that interact with email and, and all that stuff? Um, I did actually work on that with a, a company a few, a couple of years ago where we, we were basically, basically looking at what would be our, our ideal flow in terms of email and SMS. When should we send an email? When should we follow up with an SMS and all that? But then we also started adding, adding in logic to say, well, if this person's not subscribed to email, then this is the SMS flow that they should receive. Yeah. And, and likewise with, uh, with email, if they're not subscribed to SMS, we've got to make sure they get all the right content in email. Yeah. Um, and then direct mail was also in there, but that was a, a whole, whole different issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, it's really good to drop it in there. And I, 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 well, I don't remember exactly, but you know, I remember the feeling when I first started getting those text messages, which were, you know, your delivery is going to be within the next hour yeah, or something. And as a consumer, you're thinking, this is great, right? Because previously, and in fact, it, it does still happen where you, you get that email saying, um, you know, it starts off with it's going to be delivered on this date, and then you'll get an email a few days, you know, a few days before saying, just confirming we will deliver on this date, yeah. and then you get the email the day before which says, "Great, your delivery slot is eight a.m. to seven p.m." <laughs> and you're like, "This is just this is pointless. You, you might as well not give me any updates because that doesn't really help me." Well, especially too, you know, I think if you because we want we you know. F- for a long time, I would get stuff from Amazon, um, but now it's like everything I am very comfortable with. I get, you know, I, I know you had, uh, you know, someone from from Olipop on. You know, it's the same thing. It's like you don't want that sitting, especially I live in Florida, sitting out in the sun all day. And so to be able to get the real time, know when it's outside, uh, and be able to go pick it up, or I have ButcherBox, which is the you know direct to consumer uh, meat delivery. Um, you know it's stored in dry ice, but it can only be out there so long. Along with like my coffee and things like that. So um, I think the real time uh, availability of the communication and, and know that it's there and get the alert, and then I can go outside and um, or you know stop by the house to be able to pick it up um, is extremely convenient versus email and you know have almost like the the cable guy, uh, you know, type of time frame of like, yeah, 8 a.m., yeah. 7 p.m. isn't, you know, very helpful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so what, what was number two? Uh, email uh, automations and flows, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned you're constantly like, optimizing, right? But what would you say is, it's not what you're optimizing to, but what's the general like idea behind this optimization? What, what would you say is uh, the direction that's working for you guys really well. Yeah, I, I think foundationally, you know, each brand is going to be a little bit different in terms of where they're at and their you know journey. Um, but there's the four or five um, core you know flows that I think you really want to focus on, and that's your welcome series, shopping cart abandonment, 
browse abandonment, post-purchase flow, like a thank you, and then a customer win back. And those primarily drive like 80% of your flow revenue. So nailing those, I think, is incredibly important to, to get right. And, and I think a lot of times brands get a little confused where they feel like, oh, we don't want to over-communicate. Um, but what we've seen is, you know, with those five core flows, you could have like three or five emails in that sequence without really having a negative impact and unsubscribe or, you know, overall engagement. And so... Um, and, and not try and, you know, uh, you know, propose on the first date, you know, too. And I think keeping that, you know, kind of logic in mind. And so, you know, the welcome series, especially we find to be really, really successful is like introduction of the brand, a little bit of the founder story, you know, who you are. And then on that second email, you could start to do more of, uh, you know, here are bestsellers, you know, uh, obviously if you had a discount code or something like that, you want to reference it all the way through. Um, and so getting that, I think, is, is a, a key, key component. And what's really cool is Clavio has a lot of information. There's a lot of uh, content available uh, to be able to reference. I also recommend signing up for you know, brands that you admire, you think do a good job marketing, and just go through the whole entire user journey and take notes and figure out what you like, what you don't, uh, figure out ways to be able to apply that. And then I think then you get you know more uh, segmentation is what's going to drive higher and higher engagement. So you know we we do experiments where for shopping cart abandonment we will segment that out of brand new uh, customers versus previous customers, and just all you do is change out a little bit of the subject line, maybe some of the copy, um, but it just makes it more personalized and relevant um, you know to the user. And we do see significant uh, revenue, significant engagement uh, you know be able to uh, be increased as well. But again, don't put cart before the horse, just nail, you know, first get that, you know, kind of in place. And then you can start doing, uh, you know, test segments usually is going to be really effective. And then you can go down uh, subject lines, uh, you know, kind of content itself, uh, experiment with, you know, adding SMS versus email and some of these flows to see how effective it is. Um, but I, we find like, I, I love that because it once you get it right and you kind of nail it, the optimization obviously helps, but uh, that really sees like a big increase in overall revenue. And the, and the great thing about it is it, it's going to positively impact every one of your channels from your Facebook marketing to Google, to SEO, to, you know, kind of organic social or, you know, you know, influencers or things like that too. So um, yeah, that, that is a, you know, kind of key component. And then I think um, the, the next step with email is again, kind of going into the segmentation not just sending your newsletter or your weekly, you know, kind of, uh, you know, email out to the same exact, you know, kind of group. Start thinking about like, who are your VIPs? Who are your engaged contacts? Who are your unengaged? Uh, and if you can start to segment that within your, uh, your campaign sense and, and differentiate a little bit, uh, it can have a really positive impact as well on, you know, your revenue and your, your overall engagement. So I think, getting the baseline in, in place first. And then, you know, the, the experimentation that we often run is through segments and then, you know, through, you know, kind of the content itself in the form of subject line or, you know, content within the email. Yeah. And I think um, uh, on the cart abandonment, for example, you know, it's, it's quite a simple uh, segmentation, isn't it? You know, you're, yeah. you're basically changing the subject line and maybe the first line of copy to acknowledge that this person is either a returning customer or a new customer. Yeah. And it's, and it's as simple as that, and it will make a big difference. So, yeah. Uh, and then with, um, yeah, generally the flows, you know, you, you can get them set up. 
right? You know, get the basic flow set up and then start making little tweaks and optimizations. And, you know, some of those segmentation ideas, you know, around uh, in newsletters and things don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to be thinking, how do I make sure I'm personalizing this to the point where I've got the exact right product for this person in front of them? Yeah. It could just be yeah. as simple as saying, we know this person's male, this person's female. We know this person has ordered uh, these sort of products before, whereas these people order these other products. You know, obviously, depending on the business, it becomes easier or a bit more difficult. But, you know, ButcherBox, for example, mm-hmm. you know, they might even ask you at the start, you know, are the, do you want beef, chicken, lamb, right? Mm-hmm. And if you'd say no lamb, then it's a really simple segmentation that you've told them as well. Yep. Right? They, d- they don't have to think about it at all. They've literally just got to say, don't bother sending this guy lamb recipes or, or lamb product ideas. Um, and it's and it's simple things like that, right? That that make a big difference and people notice. Yeah. Um, or, or more importantly, I, I think they notice the opposite. When that segmentation is not there, I think that's actually what people notice and think, well, this, is, this isn't a great email. Whereas when the email's right, it's just right, cool, this is an email, cool, good, thanks. Yeah, because we're, as a end user, you're getting hundreds and hundreds of emails a day, you know, and so if it's not, so for me, it's, it's always around like, how personalized can you make it and how contextual? And, and a lot of that can be drivers from their digital behavior. So, you know, as simple as like unengaged and engaged, you know, someone that opens every email or is clicking on it versus someone that hasn't read or clicked on an email in three months. Like that's really valuable information to be able to know and maybe not treat them the same. Then there's a lot of the qualitative stuff uh, that they you know can answer on the front end for your butcher box example um, uh, to be able to do that. And then there's like the transactional level of like, um, you know, we, we have a client that has a really large subscription, um, you know, kind of base. Uh, it's a ready to drink, you know, kind of beverage. And, you know, for them, they were treating the person that purchased at one time exactly the same as the person that had been a subscriber for three years. And so, you know, just changing out some of the data around, you know, even VIPs and doing like a little bit of the surprise and delight, uh, you know, kind of aspects of maybe giving them, you know, you know, a free, you know, creamer as part of the drink, just as a, you know, kind of a thank you. Or, um, you know, a lot of people are doing, you know, community based where you have like private Facebook groups or slacks and allowing them to, you know, kind of get into new releases or, you know, have ideation on, you know, new products that are coming out and, and things like that. And, and so, you know, I think for us, uh, that, that is, you know, kind of the name of the game. And then I think, you know, another idea when even just shopping cart abandonment, there's a lot of these review platforms now that have deep, deep integrations with like a Clavio, you know, a, a Kendo comes to mind that we recommend a lot of times. And, you know, in that shopping cart abandonment flow, you could actually have, uh, it populate a review of that exact product that is, you know, kind of popping up in the, you know, kind of the email. So something simple like that, where not only is it the, you know, the product, which, usually everybody does, but the review talking about, you know, if it's a subscription product, you could talk about, you know, deliveries on time every single time, you know, as soon as I'm you know running out, it, it, it's, you know, kind of refilled. Um, if there's been, you know, a delay, they over communicate. So, you know, I think things like that, where it's like, how contextual, how personalized can you make that communication? Uh, and the more broad you go, the less specificity it has. And, you know, I think the less relevant that it, you know, ultimately becomes, which, is going to have a negative impact on, you know, the overall engagement. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. Uh, I like that idea of putting the review in there, um, in the in the cut abandonment, especially if yeah, if, if you if you can make it about that product, yeah. then then that, that's that's great. That should be really powerful. I mean, if you could if you could capture the reason why that person abandoned, and then give them a very specific review, that'd be incredible. Yeah. So, you know, it might be just a normal, uh, you know, single purchase e-commerce site sort of thing. And someone's abandoned a product, but the reason they've abandoned it isn't because they've got questions about the product. It's they've got questions about delivery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you, if you could get people to just interact with something before they exit, which then says, oh, this person abandoned because they don't know what the returns policy is, then you could, well, you could get that information in, in the email as well and a review which says, yeah, never had any problems uh, returning products. Yep, exactly. And, and I think that's where, uh, like we, we record for that same uh, client that I mentioned before, cancellation reasons. And, and a lot of it was um, I, I didn't, uh, I had too much of the product. And so what we Im- implemented was the ability through SMS actually to, um, we send them alert, hey, um, your, your package is, is, is going to be you know, kind of fulfilled in the next you know, few days. You can cancel, you could pause, you could gift it. Uh, because we, we noticed that a lot of times they were just not utilizing. So giving them that flexibility, um, while it might sound counterintuitive to make it really easy for them to cancel or be able to pause the shipment, they actually show that it increases the lifetime value by 20, 30% of that customer because you're giving them that flexibility on the front end. Yeah. Well, on, on that exact example, well, not exact different business, but, uh, the reason I stopped subscribing to a business was because they didn't give me that opportunity at all. The first thing I knew, because uh, you know, it was a, a weekly subscription, it's a food kit, you know, HelloFresh. Yeah. Um, I think you guys have Blue Apron, is it yeah. over there as well? Yeah. 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 Um, the, yeah I, I literally just got the email one day which said, Great, your, your recipes have been packed and they're on the way. I'm like, Oh, I, I completely forgot. I didn't check the menu. Like, I haven't made these selections. So they just sent me a default selection. Yeah. And, and that really annoyed me. Yeah. Because I, I uh, maybe it was me reading into it a bit much as a marketer, but I took that as a, we don't want people to cancel. Right. So we're not, we're not actually going to communicate with people. We're just going to, we're just going to, we're going to ship the product. We're going to take yeah. payment. We're going to ship the product. Um, and that really annoyed me because I got recipes I didn't want, uh, which meant I didn't, I wasn't seeing the value of the product. Um, but actually also like quite often I found that on the, the times where I did forget about the box, I struggled to use the recipes because I was, you know, I, I had evening plans and I, I had things going on, right. which meant that actually each time I forgot it, it, it was more of a burden on me. Yeah. I was like, okay, I, I have to use this food because otherwise it's going to go to waste. Yeah. Um, but how do I use it when I've got dinner plans every day? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you just have to, you know, it's the, at least over here, it's like the gym memberships are notorious for like, you have to like drive almost to their corporate headquarters to be able to cancel and they make you do it in person. They make it so difficult uh, uh, to, to be able to cancel. And I think that lack of transparency and making it easier for the consumer is just going to uh, really have a negative impact long-term. And so we like to get a front in front of it uh, with our, with our clients. Um, I think consumers are becoming more and more comfortable with subscription, uh, but still then you're just like, Oh, am I going to, 
you know, have loads and loads of this product that I'm not going to be able to use. And then if I go to cancel it, it's a near impossible. And so, yeah, just being able to like, we now do it through like a really easy text and you can press two and just say, Hey, I'd like to pause it this month, make it super simple. Um, and then, you know, uh, and it makes it a lot easier and it, it kind of mitigates some of that friction that you would normally have, you know, kind of otherwise. Um, and so, and that, that is just another easy way for, for text. We're not going into email or having to, you know, log into your account, find your passport, you know, password and stuff like that. You could just, you know, quickly, you know, uh, you know, be able to pause it is, is really helpful. Pause it or, uh, yeah, just being able to shift it, right? Yeah. Just change the delivery date and say, yeah. well, like, you know, I don't want to skip an entire month and have to wait, you know, that long for it. But right. I know that I don't need it in a week's time when you're about to ship it to me. So can you push it back a week? Like, yeah. That sort of thing is so helpful. Um I actually had another subscription that I forgot about because <laughs> I, I, do, you know doing my thing, checking out websites, signing up to things, free trials, whatever. Um, so so got a repeat order of that. Um, went to cancel it on the website, couldn't work it out in the dashboard. So I tried to contact customer support, and I think what they had was a contact form that once you filled it out, click submit, it opened up your email browser, your email. Um, app uh, like which for windows is almost always outlook yeah and and it just kind of preloaded an email there for you or <laughs> an email with it with the uh the email address and the subject line oh my goodness so it's like yeah. why what have i filled in this contact form for <laughs> if you're then going to make me send an email and you're gonna you're not giving me an email to send the email to you're opening up my the email thing that I don't use and, and trying to force <laughs> yeah. me to send it email this way. So I, that, that's one where I, I'm not sure if they're deliberately trying to make it difficult or if somehow that's just, it's just got so messy with the, with the tech team or something that, you know, yeah. something got built and then it got changed to something else. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a, actually maybe it's some sort of mobile function that has accidentally gotten to the desktop site. Yeah. I, I think we, we come across a lot of like, what is the the ideal tech stack and to be able to use? And and sometimes, you know, we deal with like big legacy retailers that are trying to figure out their e-commerce and, you know, these closed, you know, kind of technologies that don't speak, you know, well, you know, with each other. That's why we're we're big advocates of Clavio because it's all like open. And so, you know, there's APIs for days to be able to kind of like make it a really seamless, you know, kind of experience, be able to consolidate that data. Um, we we had a brand that had eight different technologies communicating with the end customer. And so they, they couldn't really control, like they're, they're, I think we, we noticed there were seven messages being sent out from purchase to the, the product actually being delivered. And we're like, that's a lot. And so, but they had no, you know, kind of line of sight, you know, kind of around that. And so um, with Clavio, we were able to centralize all that. And it's like one click integration so that it could actually, you know, control across customer service, across, you know, kind of sales and marketing, SMS, e email, you know, all these, you know, other channels too. And, and I think um, that's why I think there is a little bit of that disruption that can take place with some of these D2C, you know, kind of brands versus like the large legacy, because for them to make those changes, um, it, it, it's so wieldy, uh, you know, to be able to do. And I've seen it on both sides. And so I think, yeah, sometimes it could be just tech, technical debt, um, and they have the wrong, you know, kind of platforms or systems. Uh, to they're just not thinking about user experience in the way that you and I are, you know, kind of other, you know, uh, you know, consumer forward, you know, brands. Um, but you know, I, I think just 
that's the name of the game is just make it simple um, and, and make it very easy to, to be able to use and communicate. And I think it is going to um, pay huge dividends, you know, in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the third point you mentioned earlier was uh, CRO, website yeah. optimization, right? So yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what sort of, where do you advise people to start? So, you know, there, there's a similar theme, uh, you know, uh, Again, it's kind of taking a step back and saying, what are the main objectives that you want your site to achieve? And, and a lot of times that's add product to cart and, and purchase, uh, but there could be uh, opt-in to email um, and, and be able to you know, confirm them as a sub- subscriber. Um, usually there's just a few core you know, kind of points that you want to get at. And then I think where we see the mistake is adding friction without even really being aware of it. And so a lot of low-hanging fruit that we uh, always uh, see on most sites, I would say at this point is um, on the homepage itself, you know, they're not spending very much time on there. They're, they're, that's their, you know, kind of landing spot to go to your product page, your collections page, your bestsellers, whatever it may be. And so, but you, you don't want to treat each user the same. There could be someone again, new that brand new. So you really got to tell them the story and have the reviews and build in that credibility, but there could be someone that, purchasing the product for the fourth time and they just want to be able to quickly add it to the cart. And so um, one thing that we notice a lot of times is everyone, they just kind of treat everybody the same in that bucket. And what we want to look at is new versus returning, mobile versus desktop. What is the potential traffic source that they're you know kind of coming from and, and then have multiple paths for them to be able to take. And so something very small and easy to do is on your homepage, if you have products uh, listed as your best sellers, having it add to cart directly from uh, the homepage, where I've seen it, where sometimes they click on it, they go to you know a, a page that you know talks about it, then they have to click on it again to add a cart. You're at, you just added two extra steps in a in a time where you know we have the attention span of about a second grader, you know, kind of online, and so making it simple. To be able to quickly add that, you know, have it in the cart is is, is one easy easy thing to kind of get implemented. Um, two, the 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 value of a search bar, uh, even if you have like limited SKU count, say you only have like we had, we had a client that only had eight products, and they're like, well, we don't really need search; they can find our products pretty easily. But what we've noticed is like still thirty to forty percent of your traffic goes to that search bar because they might've found you through like a, an ad and they don't know the whole product set or they're not familiar with the brand. It's just easier. Um, and they had, it was like a wellness uh, shot, you know, kind of company. And so they had different ingredients and stuff like that too. So maybe they wanted to search by turmeric or ginger and not, you know, and so um, we always say to, to uh, implement that and make it pretty prominent on your site. Cause sometimes they might only have the little like magnifying glass and it's just not as intuitive. So make it a little more prominent um, and we see conversion like three to five X um, off search versus any other, you know, kind of page on the site. I've been looking at search a lot as well. Um, it, it definitely comes across as something that a lot of websites just go, every web, website has a search bar. It's always in this spot or pretty yep. much this spot. And that's it. That's where the thinking yeah. ends. Um, but there's so much more you can do with that. And I've seen some really awesome search bars where not only will it, like it will start to also suggest um, uh, text based on what you've what you've started to input. Right. And once you've kind of once you've decided what your search term is, or once you've written enough of it, it will then actually show you products. 
And then it also gives you the ability to filter. Yep. So yeah. it gives you almost a full browsing experience, but within the search function. So it's really allowing that customer to, to really get to it um, without having to submit the search, then look at a page and go, well, no, this isn't quite what I wanted. Let's do a search again. You know, yeah. you get that live update. So you can say, well, no, that's not what I meant. Go back. Let's try this keyword instead. And, and you get to see the new results. So there's some awesome stuff you can do with search now. Yeah, and and there's a lot of like tools and plugins that can handle a lot of that. But again, having it, I mean, I'm shocked how many brands didn't have search because they're like, oh, we don't have enough SKUs or it doesn't really make sense. Even just having it in place, I was like, you know, that that's an easy, easy win. And then you can get more and more sophisticated based on, you know, what you were saying and kind of like laying out as well. And it just, it's a huge driver of conversion. It, it's significantly higher than almost anywhere else on the site that we see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if someone engages with search, yeah, uh, like you, I'm seeing three, four, five times conversion rates for those people um, because they, they're going to find what they're looking for a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, but also what's really good is it's the research you get from it, right? Yeah. You get to see what people are searching for on your website. Yeah. And you get to see, what obviously, what are the most common terms? You get to see what terms are, uh, are generating zero results. Right. So yeah. for that, you know, you might find that loads of people, uh, let's go back to ButcherBox, for example, um, there are certain cuts of meat which have different names. Mm -hmm. right? It's the same cut of meat, but it would be called one thing in the US, one thing in the UK, another thing in maybe Canada or Australia, wherever, but all English-speaking countries. So you might find that loads of people are searching for it with the wrong uh, name yep. for it and then not being shown any results. Yeah. And then you look into it and you go, oh, this is actually the same as that product. So when they search this, make sure that we show them this product because yep. it's actually what they're looking for. Um, or probably even better, show them a product with that name. Yeah. Well, it's it, it, like to your point, when we're doing like user research, you know, there's obviously you can dive deep into Google Analytics and see bounce, exit, time on site, you know, kind of all those things you can extrapolate from new versus returning, but I, I like a lot of the qualitative stuff. So, you know, um, a post-purchase, you know, kind of exit survey can be incredibly valuable. Um, what they're typing into search to your point can give you loads and loads of, you know, kind of information. And I think um, the ability to have heat map tracking, whether that be, you know, crazy egg or hot jar or, you know, any of those tools too, so that you can actually see a user on there trying to click on an image that's not clickable. And it's like, okay, you know, and that happens enough. You can see that or see where there's significant drop off um, on the product page or homepage where maybe that's a really prominent call to action that you want them to see. And they're, you know, 40% of users aren't even seeing it. Um, and so there's these other angles too um, that you can, you know, kind of look at uh, that can help really have a, a huge impact and greatly inform your overall like commercial rate optimization strategy or just your website optimization strategy uh, as you're, you know, kind of thinking through those things too. Absolutely. Um, I, I quite like uh, the Microsoft product, um, Clarity, I think it's called, which is... Oh, I haven't used it. Yeah. It's it's a heat map, click map, um, yeah. session recordings, but it's yeah. just like, you know, Hotjar. Um, but one thing I've noticed there, which I don't know if I've noticed on Hotjar is they also do rage clicks and dead clicks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I would have thought Hotjar would have. Hotjar has the rage click, um, uh, you know, kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I know. It does it in the, uh, so yeah, Hotjar does it in the session recording, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think um, I think Clarity will also do it on the click maps. 
So you can filter, you can, oh yeah, that's it. You can filter for sessions with rage clicks. Then you can filter for those rage clicks. So you can see literally on the heat map, the only clicks you can see are the ones they've considered rage clicks. Oh, so then you can see, right, what's not working? Where, where are people clicking, expecting it to do something? But then you also right. get dead clicks. Dead clicks is a little bit more, more, I'd say a little bit more work to analyze because, um, you know, if you accidentally click on the screen, that gets counted as a dead click because it's a person clicking where there's nothing to click. Right. But what, what's important is if you're looking at uh, some text, for example, right, you might have underlined a bit of text in a in a paragraph, and people are clicking on that, thinking it's a link. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then you've got to think: Well, is this actually supposed? To, should we make this a link, or should we take off the underline and make sure people don't think it's a link? Right. <laughs> There's so much data available. It's like it, it really. I think it overwhelms a lot of brands, and that's where, like, you know, I think the reason why people like you and I exist is like, you know, making sense of some of that data that can help, you know, kind of inform because, you know, there is your email toolers, customer service, CRM, uh, you know, Google analytics, you know, the, the heat map tracking, all the different, you know, kind of aspects along with just like, you know, the Shopify data and, 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 and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I, I try and keep it as like simple as, you know, kind of possible. And so that we're equipping, you know, the brands we work with of like, here's our insight and here's why, and then we'll track that against the metrics that we want to see lift. Like ultimately they all will rise the conversion rate, but you know, we can't just isolate every single, you know, for uh, this winery brand we work with, we have like 62 recommendations. Um, and so we had to track each recommendation with the metric and it could just be add to cart. It could be bounce rate. It could be, you know, kind of a lot of, you know, scrolling, you know, kind of down the average order value, you know, all these different things that we're looking at so that, you know, it's, it is all tides rise, all ships with that, with conversion, but, you know, we needed to isolate it on a metric by metric task by task, you know, kind of level two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I think, uh, a lot of people think there's, there's so much to do, like where to start, which data to look at. Um, and I think you can just break it. You, you can break it down a bit. Um, I, I tend to very quickly, uh, you know, early on, I'll start looking at the, obviously just the conversion funnel, but focusing on things like, uh, checkout completion rate or yeah. from add to cart to checkout start. Yeah. Because, you know, there's much higher intent there. So if you can, if you can make an improvement there, it's, you're going to see some decent conversions. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's also too, it's just like a lot of brands we work with just don't even have their Google analytics configured properly. And, and that can just be, you know, if you don't have the right data, that's informing some of these insights, then you're, you're kind of, uh, in a pretty bad position from the start. And so there are um, Shopify apps that will come in and, and kind of connect, uh, you know, your, your GA, you know, appropriately to, um, you know, the Shopify store just to make sure that it's reporting, you know, kind of correctly. There's a lot of inconsistencies we're seeing too from what's being reported on Facebook to what's reported on Google Analytics to what's reported on Shopify. So, you know, I think uh, looking at that to try and get that in place so that you have uh, the, the right data at least to inform those insights is, is pretty critical. And I mean, I'd, I'd say only maybe 10 or 20% of the time of the brands that we're working with is their, you know, their analytics configured in, in, in the right way. Um, you know, so you might want to start there, uh, you know, kind of, you know, first and foremost of getting that, you know, kind of configured for, and then, you know, look at, you know, the insights from it. Yeah, analytics is always going to be uh, a, a difficult, a time-consuming uh, 
areas to focus on. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it needs to be done right. Um, I remember someone posting on LinkedIn the other day uh, results of a, like, how did you hear about us survey? Mm-hmm. I think post-purchase. And it did not tie back to to Google Analytics data, yeah. which was reporting, I think, I think it was reporting heavily on PPC mm-hmm. um, with a with maybe a bit of Facebook dropped in there, but loads of people were saying, uh, like Facebook, Instagram, uh, a friend told me, yeah, uh, you know, uh, all these things. But then the report was just PPC, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> yeah. So you know, and I know you can't you can't always trust what the customer says, right? Because if I tell you about a product and you go look it up now. But you click on the ad, yeah. Then yes, I told you about it, but you also clicked the Google ad, so the tracking is still right, right? Um, yeah. So there's it, yeah, it, it's, tough. it's it's uh, yeah, the qualitative uh, post purchase, you know, kind of exit survey things like that can be really valuable, and I think also too, you know, you you just want to get a breakdown on site of like what are the pages that are driving the most views and traffic where maybe balance is significantly higher, you know, things like that too, that you at least have some control over the variables where, you know, trying to interpret what the survey is telling you versus what Google Analytics is telling you, um, it, it, it can be really tricky. Um, and, you know, there's just always going to be a lot of variability based on what the customer is telling you and based on what's being reported. But even, yeah, for for search, you know, Google claims a lot because of like branded search and, you know, kind of things like that. And, and even just delineating between branded and non-branded and, you know, how effective that is. Um, Cause that can conflate a little bit of your overall, you know, kind of marketing strategy and, until you, you know, figure out exactly what's what and what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just want to touch on the post-purchase survey you mentioned. Um, what, what sort of things are you asking there? Yeah. Um, so I think Inquire Labs is a really good, um, uh, they, they have a great, you know, kind of tool, but, a lot of it is, um, uh, you know, how did you hear about us? Um, you know, trying to do more of the, the post attribution. Um, and then I think, you know, for, for us too, there's um, asking them, you know, kind of questions uh, around like, um, what other products would they be interested in? Or, you know, a little bit of like male versus, you know, kind of female, anything, you know, depending on what the brand is and what the product uh, that can help us inform some of our, communication strategy so that we can make it more personalized and, and, and relevant to them. Um, uh, you know, uh, having them, you know, kind of opt into that communication, uh, so that then we can, you know, tailor that, you know, uh, down the line. But y- y- the problem is you, you don't want to have like three or four questions. It's just going to really impact the conversion. Ideally you have one, maybe two. And, and most of the brands that we work with, I think the, the thing that's going to be most informative is like, how did you hear about us? Um, you know, come more than anything. And then we ask like more of the like demographic, you know, kind of information um, uh, so that they could opt into that communication down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, uh, I've done quite a lot with uh, kind of zero party data. So, mm-hmm. you know, just asking customers what they want, what their preferences are. Um, yeah. Basically, how, how do we sell to you? <laughs> how, do, how, how do I market to you? Um, yeah. But I've I've done that a lot with the post uh, sorry the pre purchase kind of email capture, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. you know here's a ten percent discount. I'll answer a couple of questions and then using that data to put them into flows. Yeah, um, yeah. Some people will convert anyway. Some people drop into the flows and then convert, and we're we're seeing much higher conversion rates from those flows, even with just some basic uh, kind of segmentation from that. Especially with like 
a lot of these updates now, we're not being able to track open rates as you know, kind of effectively with a lot of the Apple updates and things like that. You know, we, we have some clients that have um, are more health wellness, you know, kind of focused. And so you can ask questions around like, you know, are you, is, is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it stress? Is it, you know, what, what are these things so that we can then customize a little bit of the, the follow-up with, you know, the right products, you know, based on what, you know, their answers are, uh, it can be really, you know, kind of helpful too, or like, why are they using the product or why are they interested? Um, you know, so that we can start to, uh, contextualize that communication, you know, as well. And I think, yeah, it can have, um, and, you know, not, incremental, but, uh, you know, an impact on conversion, but the, uh, on the front end, if you just look at like the data capture, but the effectiveness in the marketing and the communication there on after is, is really, really powerful. Um, especially since we don't have as much of an accurate idea of like who's opening and then, you know, kind of engaging with the emails like we, we, we did, you know, just a few months ago. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that. I think you mentioned like kind of wellness apps. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously loads of apps that will ask you those questions, right? How old are you? Uh, yeah. They might do like, how, how tall are you? What's your weight? Um, what are you struggling with? Or what's your goal at the moment? Yeah. Ask you all these questions and then they will tailor the in-app experience to you. Yeah. But I've actually seen quite a lot where the communications aren't tailored. No. So it's, it's obviously two very separate teams. You've got that product yeah. team, which is building the, the actual product that you're, you're using, you're consuming. And then they've just said to the email team, there's your connection, go build your emails, go do your thing. It's very separate. And, and there's so much data there you could be using yeah. to say, well, you know, we know you're struggling with this. So here's some information that will help you. And then when you're ready, subscribe to the app and, and you'll get the kind of hands-on help or whatever. It, it's a big challenge, you know, honestly. I mean, I've, I've definitely like, enough more than we can show early days of like, oh, we can collect all this data and like we have like 200 different data points on them. Isn't this great? And then it's like, it. I mean, for most brands, just even getting like product bundling right and nailing that of like, if you bought this, you would like this is, is one thing. But because so much of that is qualitative and like, you know, almost like a manual input, how to like extrapolate around like the branching logic of all the different ways that they could go, um, you know, bundled with, you know, their engagement, their transaction history, like all this other stuff. Uh, it's, it's not an easy thing to, you know, be able to go through and, and tackle. And, um, you know, so I, again, I always try and like simplify of like what is going to move the, med- the needle the most and like, what are we trying to accomplish? And like, let's set up like a hierarchy. <laughs> um, Cause if you try to do too much, you'd have like, and I've seen some brands have this of like, 200 different flows if they do this then this and this and then like by the end of it you're like this whole thing is only going to like 10 people um you know is, is that you know really as effective as you wanted to be too i was i was slightly guilty of that the other day um and it got pointed out and i went oh yeah actually that's completely fair <laughs> um yeah it, it, we were doing a sunset flow for for customers and asking why uh, you know, saying like, you know, you were interested in this product a little while ago, but you know, you, you've, you haven't made a purchase. We were just in, uh, wondering why, um, have people click an answer. And then we, I was saying, well, right, cool. So based on their answer, we should then be putting them into a, uh, either a, the next email in the flow, basically to say, here's some information about that. Yeah. And then it was explained to me, like it, it just, the guy just pointed out the number of people going through this flow. And the number of people who would be receiving that email, I was like, yeah, you're right. It's not worth us building out these emails. Right. Because the time could be spent on the welcome journey yeah. or the cart abandonment where, you know, the 
whatever, five hours it's going to take to build that email, if we put five hours into cart abandonment instead, that's going to generate a hundred times more revenue, probably more. I think we had the same meeting because I had this on Friday where I did the same thing. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit I spent like five hours and it was like a client of ours that was in apparel. They had like a database of like 70,000 plus that had not engaged in any kind of like email correspondence in like six months plus some even like, uh, you know, years. I'm like, all right, so we're going to separate purchaser, non-purchaser. Okay, purchaser, we're going to 50% of people buy this product. They often buy this. And, da, da, da. and I, I mean, I had this whole thing built out and my retention strategist looks at me and goes, our base level open rate on these emails that we've seen with other clients is 2%. So yes, it's 70,000 people, but we're going to have 1400 people open this email. And then you're, you've got all these segments and this, she said the same thing, like, but they don't have the third series and their welcome series optimized. Like we need to spend our time and energy there. I was like, you're right. <laughs> I just wasted a lot of time. I really, it was almost like an ego boost of like how, uh, how complicated I made it and figured it out. You kind of just, you get really sucked into it at times. <laughs> and then someone points the numbers at you and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's not actually worth doing this effort. Cause even if you, even if you built out all those segments and you managed to get a 10% click through rate instead of a 2% click through rate, yeah. the number of people who have clicked is, you know, what's so like 140. And then you've got your your on-site conversion rate. So if that is an amazing 10%, that's 14 people have purchased. So yeah, and you kind of break it down and you realize you, you don't have to have to really go into that. No, I, I had my data analysts like pulling all this stuff and Google Analytics and, you know, purchase window and all this stuff. And then I finally was like, wow, I just kind of wasted my time, but you know, yeah. a few other people too. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So, uh, just before we finish, um, I just want to ask: you, Is there anyone in the D 2 C marketing space that you'd want to go for lunch with? Oh, interesting. Um, let's see. Uh, I there's a few that come to mind. Um, I think Web Smith's done a really great job with 2 p.m. Um, you know, he's the CMO of uh, Mizzen and Maine, um, so he's got like a really uh, interesting, I think, point of view um, around like where the the market is going, and 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 is pretty uh, insightful, I think, on like you know kind of consumer trends and things like that. Um, Nick Sharma is like a guy that's always you know kind of out and about. Where we're in Lean Lux together, this like private group uh, Slack group that uh, Paul Mumford puts together that is really really valuable. Like a bunch of D 2 C you know kind of marketers and stuff like that. So um, I, I respect how he thinks about launching brands and, and thinking about branding and, and D2C specifically, you know, kind of a little bit more holistically. Um, and, uh, and then I have a couple of friends that I'm fortunate to, you know, from, uh, you know, Kat Cole, who does a, a, I think a really good job. She was, you know, got an incredible story. She was like a Hooters waitress, came to CEO, and then also was the CEO of Focus Brands. And, um, and, and then, uh, so, you know, there, there's a few people that I've learned a lot from, you know, kind of in the space that, uh, you know, Twitter is just like such a treasure trove of information on what, you know, people are releasing these days. Um, but yeah, those are some people that, you know, kind of come to mind that I've either like passively followed or, you know, kind of been connected with through, you know, other communities or events and things like that. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, and, and just finally, uh, what about a couple of marketing tools? So maybe a couple of tools that you use, uh, not necessarily every day, but, uh, you know, the, the core ones for you, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so Clavio's, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, one of the primary tools that 
that I use, you know, kind of primarily, I, I'm a big advocate, whether it be a hot jar or crazy egg, um, you know, as well, we're, we're, you know, using that, I'd say like, you know, kind of every day. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big advocate of what Akendo is doing in the, you know, the review space, you know, kind of as well. I think they, they have the deepest integration in Clavio and then, uh, also, too, a lot of these review apps people don't realize can really negatively impact site speed. And so um, the way that they've configured the technical back uh, setup, it, it uh, has no uh, impact on site speed whatsoever. So um, uh, that's good. You know, yeah. Yeah. We, I, I really like them. And then, you know, the deep integration with Clavy, you can build segments based on, you know, five star reviews or even like what what they said in the review. So you could start sending out, you know, segmentation and emails, you know, based on that feedback, too. Um, so those are probably like the three that I, you know, tend to find myself, you know, going to, you know, kind of time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I've, um, I'm using a Kendo with the client. So yeah. uh, I just love the, the amount of uh, information you can capture in a review. It, yeah. If you get someone to fill out completely, um, it's, it, it's just incredible. It looks like it's just an incredible amount of information, uh, including yeah. social, uh, social login as well for that, for that verification. So. I think that's really cool. And they have it now too, where it's based on uh, most reviews. They send it like through a window of when it's been fulfilled, but they can actually do it when it's been delivered. So you could like trigger, you know, two to three days of a review request upon delivery, which can be a little bit more exact, uh, you know, too, which is yeah. nice. So there's some some cool features of it that, that I, I, I like a lot. So we typically recommend to, you know, kind of our clients. Yeah, cool. All right. This has been awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Drew. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Well, Definitely time to go back and review your marketing automation, I think. Loads of great advice from Drew there. One idea I particularly like is integrating reviews into the abandoned cart flow so you can show off how great your product is to someone who clearly has interest in it but didn't quite pull the trigger. Also, letting your customers manage their subscription via text, as Eli also mentioned, is a game changer. You know, interaction rates with SMS are so high. Uh, your customers are almost guaranteed to respond to them, especially when the content is really important, such as, you know, managing their subscription. If you'd like to reach out to Drew, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, guest requests, please send them over to will at customersclick.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Chris Mandarino joining me. We're going to be talking about his company, Life Fuel, and how the customer experience is so important to their growth. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.